Welcome to Open Outcry, where we roll from the close of the US trade into the new trading session, and we take the pulse of the financial markets, assessing the key themes, the views, the flows, the movers and shakers to help traders and investors efficiently navigate markets. Open Outcry is, of course, an antiquated relic of the financial systems, and therefore it's fitting to have two dinosaurs of the trading world as your hosts, Mr. Scott Redford, Pepperstone's head of product and senior member of the Flowdesk, and myself, Chris Weston, head of research here at Pepperstone. Anyhow, let's get to it, Mr. Redford. It is Friday morning. We're looking ahead to the weekend. We've just seen the US CPI number drop. The US session has been absolutely bonkers. There's been reversals within reversals. It's been lively. One for the day traders to be agile and nimble. Um, how's the sort of flow on the desk is it is it been pretty pretty wild yeah yeah it has been wild morning chris it's been um a, a big night and um one where someone like you would struggle to get to sleep i imagine but yeah it was a, a really busy night for, <laughs> like, for, for traders. i was uh, i was sleeping very well thank you i had absolutely no exposures over this this, this thing it's but you're right you have to be you have to be awake don't you, you have to be yeah you have to be able to react you've got to know your position yeah. sizing ahead of something that is yeah it could go either way really and someone like you, it's just pure entertainment factor, isn't it? Whether you're running a position or not, you just want to see what's going on and 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 watch the reactions. Oh, mate! If you, um, if, you if you can sleep well at night, you haven't got a big enough position, right? Isn't that the uh, the, <laughs> the saying back in there? <laughs> yeah. Well, you haven't taken enough of your kids' melatonin pills. Oh, was it? Was it? Was we don't get it. Our, um, <laughs> did I say that out loud? Um, I mean, yeah, it was a busy night for our traders, and at nights like that, we sort of, you know, sometimes we talk about the interesting markets that clients are trading, but nights like that, um, they really revert to the classics. I think, yeah. you know, the big US indices, Nasdaq, Dow, S and P, um, and gold, of course, and FX majors, you know, Euro, dollar, cable, Aussie dollar, dollar yen. Those are the things that we're seeing at the top of the leaderboard. Yeah, um, cable's an interesting one. We talk about that in the show in a second, but you know, I think is um, people looking to sort of trade the news on the back of this or is it always just mean reversion you know some things come off a little bit too hard and, and they're looking to buy it. are they are they looking for you know big rally and they're just thinking well this, this is just nuts so how can we have the pound rallying so much without actually sort of correlating the news flow and the position adjustment that's taking place and and they're selling into it so is that, is that kind of the flow that we're seeing there people sort of trying to counter the strength in the market yeah, there's always, there's always that that we see, and I think when there's uh, an, an ongoing narrative like that, you, you see people trying to position themselves for, you know, what their prediction is, what they think the reaction is going to be from trusts and quieting, and what the next move is going to be, and setting up stop orders or limit orders or whatever it might be to get to get in. Yeah, well, it's going to be it's going to be one that I think is going to live in the memory for a while. This reversal, and we can discuss it in a second. But uh, hopefully, we're going to have quite a weekend. What have, what have you got your eye on? Any any kind of any any trades? I'm, I'm obviously watching Arsenal uh, taking leads the cleaner this weekend. I think we're going to get three 0 up north. Um, Liverpool, Man City. I think in in Anfield a bit, but obviously City are big favourites, paying a dollar eighty. Um, yeah, but you look at these weird and wonderful sports like rugby league, don't you? That's your thing. That's your jam. <laughs> yeah, yeah, you can call them weird and wonderful. But yeah, that's going to be the highlight for me. I think, I mean, it's a bit late. I think it's about half past midnight, Saturday night. Oh. England taking on um, Samoa. That's a big clash, you know. Yeah. Um, the resurgence of the Pacific Island nations when it comes to rugby league, making it a truly global game, you know, and making the World Cup actually something interesting to watch, yeah. which it hasn't been necessarily in the past. There's so, a... Um, an end of globalisation in in the capital markets and the economics, but rugby league is together. It's as one. Uh, <laughs> Amen. Yeah, yeah, that's very well said. And yeah, come, I'll go, go and see a couple of gigs this weekend. I'm going to see um, uh, Don McGlash in this evening, and then um, Fat Freddy's drop out of out of Wellington on Saturday. But it might be a, it's, a, a 
might be a wet and muddy Sydney Mind Music Bowl, so you will see how that goes. Oh, might be get, one. You, get your, uh, get your frog, get your frog wellies out and uh, <laughs> shooting yeah, stick and wax and, and, uh, yeah, yeah. and you go. <laughs> anyway, yeah, uh, exactly. I think there's a lot right. to discuss, so we, uh, let's crack on in the markets, and uh, I hope you have a good weekend with your Wellington boots. I think it's going to be a hopefully a better weather for you, mate. Thank you, mate. Yeah, much appreciated. And um, yeah, let's go. Let's go around the grounds. Um, in the US, uh, the stat I'll give you is that it was the fifth largest intraday reversal in the history of the S and P. So top Whoa. five is pretty good. Stats, I. It's a good one, isn't it? Yeah. yeah no. um, it was. It was off around four percent from its highs following the CPI print, which is the highest core CPI reading in forty years. Um, and it finished up at two point six percent. Dow finished up close to three percent. Um, European markets dropped around 3% from their highs on that CPI release um, and likewise finished stronger on the day. DAX finished up uh, 1.5%, FTSE up about half a percent. Asian markets did finish in the red, although of course we'll expect a stronger opening today. Um, Hang Seng nearing those 2011 lows as we discussed the other day, um, down about 2% yesterday. Um, in the sectors, drilling down on the S&P, it was a sea of green as you'd expect in the end. Financials leading the way, up over 4%, closely followed by energies and tech. FX, naturally, similar story of risk off, risk on. Aussie down through 62 cents before recovering uh, back up through the 63 handle. Big ranges across the board, cable down through 111, finishing close to 114, up about 2% on the day. Uh, commodities, oil pushing higher, WTI uh, finishing up 2.2% and uh, gold finished flat on the day. Rates and bonds, Matt? I just want to, I'd like to come back to your uh, your off the low um, stat that you had with, with on the S&P. It blew my mind. Um, but yeah, you know, also another one that, that, that we took out was was the actual the, the the absolute range which day traders had to work in 100 197 handle range I think in in, in the S and P that is the third biggest of the year not quite up to your standards but uh, you know for, for for day traders who who want to trade the whole range within a period um, mm. you know there, there's a, a a decent chunk to work with now I think going back to to what you're talking about with bonds we um the interesting thing is is what we got that massive risk on rally and the, and, the, and the dollar came off. Ultimately, if you look at the front end of the Treasury curve, two-year Treasuries closed at 4.46, up 17 basis points. Um, you know, go further out and the moves were a little bit subdued. They had a really big uh, sell-off and a big spike higher in, in yield on the back of that CPI number that we saw. And then then a few buyers came back in and we closed down. So the front end of the curve still moving up with, with that CPI, but the sort of longer ten, 10s and 30s were, were only up uh, smalls. Um, I think it's really interesting. Let's have a look at interest rates after the CPI number. We can talk about the CPI number in a second. But the next meeting, as we know, in the Fed is uh, on the 2nd of November. We're pricing 78 basis points. So, mm. yeah, we've got a 75 basis points as the default position. That's a given. We're going to hear from the Federal Reserve over or various members in the session ahead. Um, but the market is slightly ajar. ajar. We've got about three basis points priced we could get 100, 100 basis points. I don't think that's going to happen myself, but that's where the markets are. You go further out into December, we've got 66 basis points being priced in there. So the market's now leaning for another 75 basis points. I think that would probably be the seventh in a row. Um, and the terminal rate, the highest point of pricing, is now 4.9%, which is something that we talked about on Tuesday. Could we see the Fed funds being priced for a 5% move? We're not far off that now. Um, in Australia, the next meeting's on the 1st of November. We've got 25 basis points as the, as the hike there. Um, and the Bank of England on the 3rd of November, we've got just over 100 basis points being priced. That's so come down a little bit. Um, and then Europe as well. This is a big one. This is going to be a date for your diary. The 27th of 
of October. Uh, the market there is expecting 71 basis points. So again, you're sort of just leaning into that 73 basis point hike. So that's your uh, your bond markets at the moment. Obviously, I think your gilts is probably worth uh, a look at. Um, mm. You know, 30-year gilts actually coming off quite sharply. We saw that down 27 basis points at 4.55%. Something to watch as the Bank of England roll off their emergency or temporary um, bond buying program. So that is your uh, rates and bonds wrap, Mr. Redford. Yeah, excellent. Thank you. And um, what, what about the VIX? Is that something you had your eye on at all last night? I mean, it was something I saw that um, when, the, when the market dropped on that CPI number, a few pundits were saying that you know the VIX hasn't really reacted here, and they were predicting at that stage already that we'd see a bounce as a as a as a result of that. Well, not as a result of that, um, but because that's what they were saying. Yeah, I don't, the VIX is difficult because it's it's kind of based off these fixed fixed strike expiries, so it kind of makes it a little bit misleading. Mm. I think I, to to be honest, if you're trading the S and P or the US five hundred, you get no um, advantage from or no. Uh, what's the word? You get no edge from from following the VIX, in my opinion. I know yeah, people okay. disagree with me, but it's just a byproduct of the two. So if you're trading the the US 500, trading Nasdaq, yeah, the VIX is trading at 31 percent at the moment, just just under just over 31 percent. So divide that by 15.9 percent, and you, you you get yourself 15.9, and you get yourself your kind of expected. Um, expected moves on any kind of given day. But uh, yeah, I wouldn't necessarily look at that, that too closely. I mean, we have seen it coming off a little bit. I think, you know, if we go into the US CPI reaction, um, I think that's, that, that's an interesting one because, you know, we saw that massive move off the off 3502 in, in S&P futures. And you talked about that being one of the biggest moves out there. And um, for me, I think, yeah, everyone's trying to put a, a narrative on, on the price action. Why did that happen? We've got to know why. Yeah. Why did something go from A to B? And everyone's coming out, oh, you know, at one stage there was a, yeah, you know, there was an EC an article that the ECB would come out and um, you know they were looking at modelling a, a lower terminal rate for for European bond pricing or European rates pricing. Um, the White House came out with an announcement that they were or some sort of rhetoric that, that, that they were looking at you know targeted tariff relief for markets mm. or something like that. Um, There's talk of negotiations in Ukraine as well at one stage. Yeah, that's right. So I think you add that to the yeah. mix. But for me. Like you work on you you work on you've worked on flow desks before, Scott. Um, th- this is about flow. This is about options market makers who are running a massive short gamma position. Uh, the market started moving up. It, it, bonds started moving lower. The dollar started selling off, and of course, you know they had to hedge that delta exposure. When you've got such a short gamma exposure, um, you know volatility works both ways. If the index goes down, they have to sell futures. If the index goes back up, you know they have to cover those shorts. And I think that's really what you've seen. So I think there's a lot of hedging flow taking place. An equity market that was already very short, long of dollars, long of uh, short of, of, of you know front end gilts, uh, yield yields, for example. And I just think you've seen a lot of hedging flows coming off. I think you've seen a lot of uh, poor liquidity in market. So I'm going to. I'm going to say it's the flow show. That's what I reckon has happened. So big, easy reaction to the CPI number where we saw core inflation at 0.6% higher than what the market was looking for. The natural reaction, of course, was to buy the dollar, to sell risk. That's easy. Mm-hmm. But the, the reversal, everyone's trying to explain it. You talked about these, these, these sort of fundamental factors. For me, it's about just, just flow, managing flow and, and positioning that's been unwound. So I, my logic, how does it stack up with, with, with someone who's worked in that world? Yeah, no, that makes sense. I mean, we always our reaction is to look at the the news flow, and you're saying sometimes that's um, 
you know, that's overthinking it in a way. You need to simply order flow. And I think you're absolutely spot on with that. Yeah, yeah. Which is difficult, um, isn't it, for the for the average retail stroke sophisticated uh, trader because we don't get to see that flow. It's one of the, the factors that the, the investment bank desks do. I mean, that's how they make their money, isn't it, right? They just they manage flow. They manage, they take all this inventory in and they know what's happening. You know, real money accounts are doing this. You know, high frequency accounts are doing this. You know, and they can they can call it. The sales guys can tell their the, the buy side clients what's what's happening. And I think that's one of the advantages of being an investment bank is that you get to see um, that that flow from from the big players. And then I think that, that that helps you with your 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 edge, I guess. Yeah, and I think it's natural to, if you see a move in a market to to check the news, check Twitter, check Bloomberg, check wherever you look and see what's caused this move. But yeah. um, like I say, it's not not necessarily the right thing to do, especially on on nights like that. Yep. Um, next thing we want to chat about is um, US equities. We're coming into earnings season again. There's a few um, coming out. Is it tonight? Tomorrow in the financial sector, in particular, Morgan Stanley, J.P. Morgan, maybe Citibank. Yeah, they're all coming out tonight. At? That's that's the right, big one. Yeah. I mean, JP Morgan is probably the uh, the poster child that that you want to be looking at. I mean, we're trading at one hundred nine thirty seven. Had a decent move overnight. Um, so I think people are just sort of massaging those positions. What I will say, keep an eye on this because Jamie Dimon's always a legend to listen to. I mean, he's been pretty pretty mm-hmm. vocal recently about the, the 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 propensity for a recession in the US. He's been talking about you know recession next six to nine months. Yeah, you know, potentially could be a, another lazy and easy. 20% downside. I'm not sure if those comments were were talking to context, in context properly. But, you know, JP Morgan, if you have a look at the options market, Scott, they're pricing in a, a daily move uh, on the day of earnings of, of 6.4%. So this is the, the market's expecting volatility like I haven't seen for, for a while on, the, on, on JP Morgan's earnings. Morgan Stanley and City also going to be well worth watching, as you say there, but probably not going to move the market as much as someone like JP Morgan will. What's also yeah. interesting yeah, is, been- is can't, sorry. No, no, no. You, you care. No, I was going to say one of one of the other things is the pedigree of of JP Morgan. One out there for the short sellers. Um, if you look at how they've they performed in the last eight quarterly earnings reports, they've been down eight in a row. So they've closed down by eight in a row. The last three of them, well, we closed down three and a half percent last time, prior quarter, um, Q1, 3.2 down, 6.2 down. So this is this is one that you know, if you if you're looking up at that roulette board and you're seeing Eight reds. Do you do you think it's going to go the opposite way? I, I probably look at the other way and say these guys have a, a consistent under underperformers. They consistently miss the mark, um, and that to me mm. is quite important. So yeah, when we look at the form guides, uh, history would say that the, the, the they would go um, and, and miss expectations there. So yeah, interesting. When we 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 offer the XLF ETF, don't we? So you could probably you know, maybe either look to trade JP Morgan, or you could look at the XLF. Could be an interesting one there. Yeah, it's sort of it's sort of like what we were talking about the other day with um, you know, when the consensus becomes that we're going to beat consensus, does that become the new consensus? And it's, it's you're sort of saying the opposite about. Well, the, the CPI number is interesting in that sense because the the market was saying that you know six and a half percent was the core number, but you know the, the, the form guide suggested that we were going to see an, an above consensus number. We'd we'd, we'd beaten or, or come out of a topside number eight of the last twelve, and two of those were in line. So. 
yeah, like, I mean, that, that was where we were. And that's certainly, yeah, we, we saw that again. So, yeah, I mean, I think your point's a valid one. Um, I think the interesting one as well is, is we're going to listen to the rhetoric from the banks because obviously, yeah, people are interested in, you know, what's the sort of demand for loans, what the sort of net interest margins, how, yeah, they're, they're very much in, in, in the forefront of the interest rate sensitive sectors, you know, housing as well. You know, mm. it's, the, it's the labor market that, that's, you know, right at the tail end of this demand calls. But at the forefront, it's the interest sensitive sectors which are, are really interesting there. So, we'll watch out. Watch how it happens there. Obviously, you can talk about how they've made the money in the capital markets and those divisions. But really, we want to listen to the rhetoric around um, the economics, the demand for credit, what they're thinking about you know, housing and those factors. I think that could be quite an interesting one there. Mm-hmm. Um, let's move on to the, our next point. It's US dollar. Again, you, you're using the phrase at this stage, down but not out. Down but not out. Please explain. Know, like- in the words of Pauline Hanson, please explain. <laughs> one of your favourites. Um, I mean, yeah. Okay, so let me read out for me why the dollar's been rallying, right? So if you go out and say, I'm going to make a list, right? The US dollar, US is the most exceptional place in in, in G10. The US dollar is the best hedge against equity drawdown. Um, the Fed are welcoming a recession. Don't fight the Fed means buying the dollar. Um, you know, we're going to see the Fed do less QT, quantitative to more quantitative tightening, which is impacting risk. We've got relative higher uh, real rates in the US. You've got the US as a carry currency. You know, it's, it gives you income, and and, and volatility volatility adjusted carry has been the best strategy this year by none, by a long way. Um, yeah, housing in the US is far less impacted by rates. People lock in uh, interest rates at thirty year loans, and they have done around sort of two percent. They're now trading at seven percent, but because people are locked in for thirty years, when you have to, you know, people don't have to renegotiate their mortgages like they do in Australia, like they do in the UK, which typically are are fixed for two to five years. So when obviously mm. you know rates are going up so substantially, you're going to get a lot of people remortgaging, and that doesn't happen in the US. So that's that's a really that's kind of confining uh, the, the household from from this this rate situation. And then you've got momentum and trend. So the question you've got to ask yourself is: Has anything changed overnight other than positioning? Uh, I'm going to ask you that question, Scott. What do you think? <laughs> uh, well, no, 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 I don't think so. And well, there you go. Um, that's, my, that's why I think down, but not out. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> yeah, it's so a great you, point you make about, you know, people like your analysts are really getting to know the ins and outs of um, various mortgage markets around the world, aren't they? And looking for a sort of um, a, a, a jump and, you know, when the real jump in rates hits, well, when the, when the jump in rates actually hits the consumer, I guess. Yeah, I've got this uh, this theory about real estate agents. It's like you can always tell a really good, a good a really good uh, real estate agent by the by the quality of their shoes. Um, right. and I think that might be, yeah. be extended to analysts now. Like, you know, can you can you tell? <laughs> can you can you, tell, <laughs> you got, you'd, like you'd never buy a house from someone with bad shoes, right? No, that's a good point. Yeah, but sometimes good shoes are in the eye of the beholder, I guess. And, and you've got a particularly good eye. <laughs> no, I think. Um, I think at the end of the day, if equity markets have a good rally, the US dollar goes goes down. Mm. Yeah, it's, it's been the best hedge by none because it's got the most inverse correlation to the S and P. So, yeah, if you if you want to go and buy a hedge, effectively you can buy volatility. Uh, traditionally, you would buy buy fixed income, but you know bonds have been selling off and actually driving the equity market lower. So, yeah, you just choose the most negatively correlated asset to, to equity, and that's your hedge. And 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 buy, and buy easily easily has been the dollar. So, equities go up, people just reduce those hedges, and I think that's why you've got that 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 relationship coming through. So, yeah, tell me where the dollar's going. I'll probably tell you where equity markets are going. I think that's that's really important there as well. So, mm-hmm. um, last point to cover today, cable. On a tear, um, what are we going to see from the trust government next? Is it going to be another U-turn? 
That's uh, that's the the talk on the traps, isn't it? I'm not sure how much you you read. I mean, you, you would have seen the flow coming through last night, but um, then mm. yeah, the, the the guilt market's really what you would be. We talked about it on Tuesday. This idea if if, if bond yields in the UK, the guilt yields coming down lower, uh, and they were yeah you know, big big rally there coming through in 30 years down 27 basis points at 4.55, and that just pushed the the, the pound up. So there was a broad US dollar sell-off as we talked about, but then there was also a move into the pound as it outperformed. So the the pound and the Nokia were the best performers on G10, um, G, G7, G10 FX. Um, and I think part of that is down to the idea that the, the, the chancellor there may perform a mini U-turn. We don't, we don't know what it's going to look like. He won't let the cat out the, uh, the proverbial bag. Um, but there is talk that, that at some stage very soon that part of the fiscal plan will be unwound. We've already seen one measure, which um, you know, is, is the top tax bracket. Um, tax issue, but they're, they're looking at other factors, maybe corporate tax, which is part of that mini budget, which may be, uh, may be reduced as well. So interesting one. <clears throat> yeah, well, we're trading 113.21 at the moment. We've got our eyes on the, the October swing highs. Um, but yeah, this is this has been a, a monster repositioning move that's been taking place. Very bearish bets having to having to be removed. But by one by one, you know, the, 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 this tax um, relief plan, which was unfunded and would have need massive supply to, from the government, massive issuance is being unwound, and of course, people are therefore unwinding these these bearish cable bets coming through. So I think that's an interesting one. Have you have you got any any views on how you're seeing it from from this side of the world? No, no, no. I mean, you've covered it really well, mate. But it's it's been a quite a, a extraordinary reversal, hasn't it? And, and an amazing couple of weeks over there. I imagine. I don't know how those people get to sleep when they have to wake up and be grilled. Um, you know, at seven a.m. on the BBC, and you know the the terms that are being banded about. The, they're already calling you know the worst prime minister in history and those sort of things. But it was a, the uh, Telegraph article overnight saying that there was from a from a former minister who was well known. Apparently, he's uh, talking about. The uh, trust's days are numbered, and that they were already looking at uh, a replacement. Whether, she, whether that happens is not, but uh, yeah, front front page of the, the Telegraph. So we'll see. She's only been in yeah. a job for just over a month, and <laughs> already getting those calls. She's already getting towards becoming an answer in a trivia night, isn't she? You know, <laughs> whatever it's going to be. <laughs> yeah, who was you know the prime minister yeah, yeah. back in twenty twenty two? All right, mate. So what else have we got? Let's have a look. So looking ahead, the session. Um, we've talked about earnings releases. There's also US retail sales and Chinese figures, CPI, PPI. Are you putting um, much weight on those this time around? Watching dollar CNH, the offshore yuan. If we if we were to see a bit of a move lower, that could um, you know that that could continue to push the US dollar a little bit lower. So we're watching that one. Um, the market is expecting Chinese CPI to push up to 2.9% from 2.5%. Still pretty low on a relative basis. It's not going to give them any kind of major headaches to to tweak their monetary policy setting. So. The answer to that is no. I don't expect uh, US Chinese CPI to be a major game changer. Uh, I watched that UK, that US um, retail sales number. Obviously, with, with the moves that we've been seeing in rates there, yeah, will this start start impacting consumption? Talk of a recession. Watch the control group element of the retail sales numbers. Um, that that's the the basket of goods that feeds directly and most closely into the GDP calculation. Um, and then you've got University of Michigan. Um, uh, inflation expectations one to uh, one uh, five to ten years as well, so that could be a bit of a mover. We'll have to see. Mark's expecting that to come back a little bit, uh, and then we've got a few Fed speakers um, who will give us a ch- bit of chance to 
you know, have some context. We've got Esther George, who's generally quite a hawkish, and she she speaks at uh, one one a.m. Eastern Standard Time. Uh, and then you've got uh, Fed's Cooks just uh, coming out at half past one as well. So yeah, maybe they they have a chance to sort of talk about the CPI number, what it means for them as well. So yeah, again, just continue to watch that. But I think what's most important, Scott, I'll talk about client flow in a second. Is you know, you do see these big moves. You see these repositioning flow-driven moves like we've been seeing. And then the next night, you actually have a, a much more pure relationship or a much more pure reaction in markets relative to that. So, yeah, be watching that one very closely to see if we see renewed selling interest in, in you know, the, the NASDAQ, the, the US 500. So, question to you is, is well, how, how, how are clients seeing the, the equity move there? You talked about the big flow, but generally speaking, what's the net skew on, on the equity markets? Well, they've ended up now um, short, so they're looking for a pullback. Um, Dow, NASDAQ, S&P, our clients are short on all of those. They're actually um, back to flat dollar um, after some big swings that we've chatted about over the last couple of weeks, currently flat on US dollar, um, short euro, and uh, long yen, actually. So looking for a pullback there as well. Yeah, good stuff. And okay. a pullback um, in dollar yen, that is, yeah. Yeah, we could talk about Dolly Ann all day. In fact, we are going to. So in terms of the markets to watch, your markets to watch over the next 24 hours, Scott? Yeah, well, I have picked out Dolly Ann. It's an obvious one, but an interesting one. Um, we were through our 1998 highs the other That's day. Right. I think we're now... 147.66, that, that was in 1988. The start of my career back in the day. Oh, the glory days. Yeah, glory I can days. imagine. Yeah. Young West. What sort of shoes were you running back in those days? Uh, Gucci loafers. Um, and uh, yeah, I think back in those days, you're still allowed to smoke in the office. That's how it was. Oh, know? imagine. <laughs> okay. Um, so I think we're, we're now looking at um, the 1990 highs, if we look back on the chart on Dolly Yen. Okay. Um, as, you know, as we all rushed to book a holiday to Japan, before what you know, many are looking out for is the sort of inevitable intervention from the BOJ, or is it an inevitable intervention? Um, you know, we sort of the rhetoric we get out of them has almost become, uh, you know, people are mocking it of late because it's sort of meaningless. You know, for the most part, it's yeah, we're watching, uh, we will act accordingly. Oh, how how um, how the how the Bank of Japan had the last laugh? Yeah, that's right. Well, temporarily. <laughs> Yeah, yeah. But 150 is the level you want to look at, Scott. I reckon that's where we're going to go. It's one way moves in that situation. Mm-hmm. Mate, I'm looking at um, I'm looking at US 500. We've got that 200 week moving average, uh, which is the the one the level everyone's watching now, which has really defined the trend since 2011, and that comes in at uh, 35.98. We held it again last night, traded through it, but we've held it like an absolute boss. Um, but yeah, everything yeah with the, the earnings coming through, with the uh, the big reversal playing through, I want to see whether the the bulls can build on this move that we've been seeing short term and blow some of the shorts out of the water further, um, or is this now you know we've had a bit of a flush out to people sell into this mover. Asia will tell us a lot about what's going on. Talking about flushing out, Scott, how I hope that you uh, you, you hold up in these turbulent Melbourne weather days. What is your fact mm. of the day? Fact of the day. It's um, something I was rem- reminded of last night. Maybe most people already know this, but uh, tell me if you do. Percentages are reversible. So, you know, if I ask you what's fourteen percent of fifty, for example, you might uh, hesitate for a second as you try and work that out, or someone like you work that out pretty quick. But you know, if, if you're struggling with that, flip it around. What's fifty percent of fourteen? Exactly. And the- 
And that's the same number, you know, so you can do that with anything. 16% of 25, you go, oh, shit, that's a bit tricky. But what's 25% of 16? Four, it's the same answer, you know. So if, if you're struggling with that, flip it around, see if it's easy. Flip it around. That's the uh, hashtag flip Percentages it around. Percentages are reversible. Yeah. There you go. Well, every day is a maths day, every day is a school day. Well done, uh, Scott. Uh, exciting times in markets. If you are trading it, take your time frame down, take your position size down. Keep being in front of the charts. You have to be in front of the charts, in my opinion. Um, these these are crazy. These are wild days. Um, some people will hope it continues. Some people hope the volatility dies down. Trade your way. Trade your situation. Scott, good as always to talk to you. We'll be back on Tuesday. Thank you for joining us. Good night, Vienna. Stay safe out there. Cheers, Chris. Bye-bye.